our radio program has been put on a little hold, and we're just um, going to have a planning meeting tomorrow at um, Monday, and some of you have received that information, and if you'd like to join us, um, talk to Chris, and we'll get that information to you. Um, we thank you for your continued prayer support here at all of it United Methodist Church in Robbinsdale. My name is Dr. Randy Tabor. We've been working with kind of a number of other clergy. Had a very busy past week. We had our annual conference, and it, it was it was kind of phenomenal. You know, um, it was by way of um, computer, and we um, accomplished a lot of things on the computers. And I want to thank uh, Robin from Larson for her involvement in setting a lot of the things up and getting us rolling and going and kind of acting as almost our lady delegate at annual conference. So our conference has concluded the pastoral part of it and the lady delegate at annual conference. It's all, all online. So as we go to worship this morning, we again thank you for your presence with us and I'd like to have Boone if he would come and share with us this morning and, and we'll have a word of prayer and we'll have some special music and Mike and Boone would you come at this time and we'll have our prayer of petition and intercession and if at any time you would like to have a, a bulletin um, we're able to get our bulletins done a little bit earlier in the week so we can get them out to um, those who request bulletins and like to view our service not only by television, but like to kind of follow along in the service. Boom. Responsive reading, 643 Christian World. If I could speak the languages of men, of angels too, and have no love, I'm only a rattling hand or a clashing symbol. If I should have the gift of prophecy, and know all secrets of truth, 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 If I should dole out everything I have for charity, and give my body up to torture in mere boasting pride but have no love. I get from it no good at all. Love is so patient Love never boils with jealousy. It never boils, never boils with pride. It is not active. It never gets provoked. It never harbors evil thoughts. It bears up under anything. It exercises faith in everything. It keeps us whole in everything. It gives power Love never fails. If there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If now exist ecstatic speakings, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will soon be set aside. For what we know is incomplete, and what we prophesy 
is incomplete. Father, we thank you this morning for our scripture reading and our opening worship that has dealt with the importance of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We do pray this morning, we thank you for our Minnesota Game Conference that was held this past week, and we thank you for the, the tremendous success of it, and we thank you that in spite of the COVID-19, we were able to uh, deal with it, and some nearly thousand, a thousand individuals went online, and we were able to uh, deal with a lot of the business of the Minnesota Annual Conference. We also grieve this morning for our district superintendent, Dan Johnson, Dan and Debbie Johnson, their granddaughter, who had a severe seizure and passed away. Pray that you be with Dan and Debbie and their um, their daughter, and their, it's actually their granddaughter. We pray, Father, that you would be with this grieving family. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we have placed a card at the back of the church because of the importance of not spreading any disease and germs, and people may just share their their feelings and their thoughts and their prayers as we pray for a spirit of peace and blessing upon Dan Johnson family. We pray for other families, O oh Lord, that have lost loved ones. We pray for our law enforcement that are trying to protect our country and we do believe in people can demonstrate but they can't be destructive and riot and loot. We come against this demonic spirit that's so prevalent in our land. We pray that you allow us to rise up and be the salt and the light. As you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I'll call upon Gary and Lee Gross and Clarice and Mike. You can be on deck as you prepare for moments of lady.
Notice that it was the exact hour that was noted by a follower of Jesus. They traveled with them and came across Andrew, Simon's brother, Simon. With, with, with contact, they told him, we have found the Messiah. In verse 40, 42, we see one of the great abilities of the Lord. When Simon was introduced to Jesus, Jesus said, so you are Simon, son of John, who shall now be called Cephas, which means Peter, or Rock. The next day they went to Galilee, and they found Philip. Jesus only used two words to gain Philip's discipleship. Follow me. Philip had found Nathaniel. Philip told him that they had found the one Moses and the prophets had written about, and they made specific specific reference to Jesus saying it was Jesus of Nazareth and son of Joseph. Nathaniel's answer was kind of a strange one. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel had the same reply as Jesus did. Come and see. Nathaniel said this because Nazareth was a small fishing village of only about 500 people. His comment was the equivalent of calling somebody a for a country bumpkin. Kind of sarcastic. Nazareth had a poor reputation. And his question was much literal as it was sarcastic. Jesus said, coming and said to Behold, it is your life, indeed, in whom is no guile or falsehood. And Nathaniel heard him say this, and he asked Jesus, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, I saw you earlier under the fig tree. I'm confident Jesus was referring to his will and need to find a savior, not just where it was. The branches and leaves of fig tree or where students and, and the rabbis found shelter from the sun's hot rays under the leaves and branches when they were studying the word. In verse 49, we see kind of, we find the key verse in my turn here. Jesus saw him coming and told Nathaniel that he had been under a fig tree without him, he didn't even know him. He didn't know Nathaniel. And Nathaniel then made a confession. I think it's really the key verse of my whole sermon. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The results of him saying this to him and knowing this show him later on when Jesus says, You will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Seeing angels ascending and descending on Jesus, you know what? That's just a small, small portion of the glory and the joy that we will find in heaven. Our Savior earned us that right with our faith. And Nathaniel found it when he found his faith in Jesus Christ. All this I say, Amen and Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we turn to our call to consecration? 642. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Our call to consecration.
So then, my brothers and sisters, because of God's many mercies to us, I make this appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicating with service and pleasing to Him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform outwardly to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, for it is good and is pleasing to Him and is perfect. Love must be completely sincere. Hate what is evil, ask for what is good. And be eager to show his back for one another. Work hard and do not be lazy. Serve the Lord with a heart full of devotion. Let your hope keep you joyful. Be patient in your troubles and pray at all times. Share your belongings with your needy brothers and sisters and open your homes to strangers. As God bless those who persecute you and ask him to bless not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Show the same spirit for all the life. Do not be proud, but accept humble pleas. Do not give yourselves as wise. If someone does evil to you, do not pay them back with evil. Try to do what all consider to be good. Be impossible on your part. To live in peace with all men. Do not let evil defeat you. Instead, on her evil with God. Amen. Thank you, Mimi Seated. God bless the reading of the scripture today and our responsive reading from Romans chapter 12. You probably picked up right away on the scripture that was read, and we're going to discern today. John begins right at the starting block there, John chapter 1. There's no activity in the birth of Jesus like in Matthew and Luke. But right out of the um, starting box, John deals with, with witnessing. And John deals with the essence of coming and seeing. And oftentimes when individuals um, accept Jesus Christ, I know especially for Billy Graham rallies, that they would hand out the Gospel of John and I've always encouraged new converts to Christ to just grab the book of John, become very much aware of Christianity in the book of John. You and I are living in a day where there's increasing skepticism and criticism of the church, of law enforcement, on pillars of the law and pillars of the grace. Today, it cannot be answered with intellectualism or, or argument and, and debate. In fact, Christianity has never really been built on the case of the ability to, to win people by debates. From the call of these first two disciples in the scripture for today, the call of the first two disciples it's a call that can be utilized for you and I as 20th century Christians. Its proposition is still the same. It's, it's founded and built on the fact of coming and seeing. 
Let's examine those two very powerful words, come, and see that we sometimes trip over and we don't really understand and interpret it. First of all, it's a, it's a call. It's a call of invitation. In the closing chapter of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, we hear these words, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let them that hear it say, Come, and let them who are athirst come, and whosoever will, let them come and take the water of life freely. Revelation chapter 22, 17. Christ and the church have nothing to hide. There's no secret membership. There's no hidden keys. The invitation is both personal and it's, it's universal. Christianity not only invites, but it welcomes. It welcomes inspection. It can stand the test and it can prove, prove the faith. The response involves action. The word come, the word come, is indicative of, of a very positive, very deliberative movement. No spectator on the sidelines can claim that they have not responded to this divine invitation to come and see. No critic who, who who tries to tear to threads the fabric of faith can experience the joy of knowing Jesus, of the church and membership. They cannot attack your testimony. The change that's very evident in the lives of those who have committed themselves to Jesus Christ. But this response involves separation. When one comes to something, they naturally must leave something else. Second Corinthians chapter 6, 17 says, Wherefore come, wherefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Sometimes it calls us to forsake old companions and, and old paths. Too often we ask Christ to, to leave his righteousness. And I see many who have failed in their walk by the compromise of asking Christ to change, asking Christ to leave his righteousness and come to dwell in their sin and are disappointed that they cannot feel the presence of Christ. When we are ready to leave our sin and go to Christ's righteousness, we, we shall know his presence. We shall utilize his power, his presence, his power. Now the response involves an objective. Not only do we leave something, but we, we come to do something. The invitation is not to embrace a creed or a culture, but Christ himself. He says, come, come unto me. 
in our futile efforts to please God with physical, physical service without spiritual experience will result in emotional frustration. Let me say that again because I see that compromising many ineffectual questions that our futile efforts to please God with some physical, physical service without spiritual experience will result in emotional frustration. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 6 and 7 reminds us that, that in burnt offerings and, and sacrifices for sin, God has no pleasure. Then said I, I, lo, I come to do thy will, God. It is a, a case of, of experimentation. If you've experienced Christ, you continue to live that experience. I'm reminded at a meeting of the Advisory Council of the American Bible Society in New York City, one of the secretaries told of a letter that had been written to a group of businessmen. And it asked the businessmen for contributions. Contributions for the Bible Society to be exhibited at the World's Fair in New York City. The first such fair in New York in some 25 years. And the response by the businessmen which came back, they said, we are not aware of any contributions the Bible has made in our nation in the past 25 years. One of the businessmen replied. Now the tragic mistake of the businessman is a common error of those who try to evaluate the effectiveness of the Bible or Christianity by the overall picture of a, of a natural, natural, national scene or individuals. The implementation, implementation of the truths of Christ must be done on an experimental, personal level, not on, a, on the level of statistics. Has Christianity been, been successful in America? Yes. Yes, where it has been accepted and applied and where it's been lived out. Who can account for the transformation that Christ makes in a life truly committed to Him? When in reality, if, if only one person in all America believed and followed Christ, then Christianity would be a total success in America where it's been tried. Nothing can be fully appreciated or adequately evaluated without an honest experiment. No true scientist would accept or reject a theory until it had been proven. Yet many of these same scientists, as well as millions of other people, find no hesitancy in flatly rejecting Christianity without the least bit of experimentation. The world is working on a COVID-19 cure. Experimentation, times of trials and testing, 
Christianity may have been disillusioned by the same Christian experience. They may have been disillusioned by some weak, weak Christian. But this is not a weak experience. They may have decided that there is still even evil in the world, although there are Christians. But this is not an experiment. They may have tried the idealistic teachings of Christ and may have been frustrated by society's reaction. But this is not the experiment. This is not the experiment. They may have prayed without the desired result. But this is not the experiment. The only valid, valid and true experiment is the, the repentance of sin. The repentance of sin. The acceptance of God's gift of love on the cross and, and the unreserved, unlimited commitment of self to Christ. You see that when a person has said that they, what they have truly done is this, then they're talking about an experiment. We've never heard of anyone who went all the way, all the way with Christ, and was disappointed. And then in closing today, it's, it's a call of not only coming and seeing, but it, it, it's a call of revelation. The second word of the invitation is see. Is see. God does not expect or encourage a sense of blind devotion. God wants us to, to fully comprehend the involvements of, of Christianity. God wants us to show us that what we can do through the Holy Spirit. God wants to show you and I what's truly possible in Christ with a heart and a life totally surrendered to Christ. And it's that gift of seeing inside. After his miraculous healing at the hands of Jesus, the blind man before the authorities of the synagogue answered, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing that I do know, that whereas I was formerly blind, but now I see, John chapter 9, 25, we may not be able to give a theological explanation of, of our redemption encounter with Christ. But we should know that we have received a gift, a gift of spiritual sight. And a gift it is. It's not purchased. It's not earned. But it's freely given from the gracious heart of God. On our radio program for the last six months, we've entitled the program, and many of you, by way of television, not only watch this by television, but you listen by way of radio. And 
there were four of us that tackled that, that whole situation of transforming grace. Transforming grace. The medium of sight. Jesus explained how we could see and really know God in that statement. John chapter 49, he that hath not seen me, or he that hath seen me, hath seen the Father. Now the illuminating effect of the incarnation eliminates the necessity for speculation or doubt. Individuals do not need to wonder what God would do as a person, for he has shown us what he does in the person of Jesus Christ. And the scope of sight and seeing after another blind man was healed by the master, he said, I see. I see every person clearly. Mark chapter 8, 25. Now, looking through the eyes of Jesus, we see the reality of our world and we see the, the reality of fallen humanity. We see individuals as they really are and we see all equally well. And we see all. In our text, the invitation is extended to Nathaniel. He was a person of a very common prejudice. Nathaniel, person of prejudice, just as you and I, common prejudice who could not perceive that that anything good, that anything good could come out of Nazareth. And after meeting Jesus, his, his entire perspective and, and philosophy began to change. Nathaniel, much like you and I, saw that not only could something good very best of humanity could come from Nazareth. The new vision which accompanies the new birth eliminates social, racial prejudice, and more surely than all, the world's legislation. Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, the definition of sick, definition of sick, any disorder of health, illness, unwell, or ailing, deeply affects with some feeling comparable to physical disorder as sorrow, longing, repugnance, weariness, out of repair, etc. Sickness is, is common to all humankind. We ask, O oh Lord, today, this coming week, as we realize that there's no balm in Gilead, there's no physician there, even Epictetus in the first century AD called his lecture room the hospital for the sick soul. 
Epicurus, some 300 years before Christ, called his own teachings the medicine of salvation. High esteem for doctors in the Greek or Roman world. Luke was a physician. Hippocratic oath was from Greece. Jewish priests examined. Jesus healed physical ailments and told disciples, you and I to pray for the sick. The humility of sight, O oh Lord, that when we see all things clearly, we find ourselves under the revealing light also. The Samaritan woman was smitten in her conscience because she saw, she saw the comparison of her life and the greater life Jesus offered her. John chapter 4, 29 says, Come, come and see a man who's told me all things that I ever did. And unless we are willing to be humbled by the true sight of ourselves, we, we should not seek to see and know Christ. As we conclude today and as we appeal and prepare, as we come to learn, we leave to serve, we, we real, realize at the close of most formal invitations, there are the initials RSVP. RSVP. It's the French phrase which thus is abbreviated means simply that, that a reply, a reply to the invitation is requested. That God has extended us an invitation to come, to come and see, and he waits for our, for our reply. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Come into our hearts and lives. We've come. We make attempts at seeing you. And as you wait for our reply, may we respond positively. In Jesus' name. As we continue, let us turn to our offertory prayer printed in our bulletins. Would you be so kind to read with me this morning? Merciful and forgiving God, the tithes and gifts we offer to you this morning are but a small portion of the blessings we have received. The Gospels remind us that Jesus instructed us to deny ourselves to take up our cross and follow, and yet we deny ourselves little. See the smallest of crosses as too great a burden, and fall only from a safe distance. In doing so, we cut ourselves off from deeper experiences of discipleship. Forgive us and renew our strength, and discipline us to walk this road with our Savior. In His holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me for the dinosaurs, you know, please?
Before we close in prayer, is there any announcements that we need to make? Gary and Kathy and Chandler and Krauss. things to come, nor powers, nor height, 
anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus Lord. And may God bless that scripture taken from Romans chapter 8. Father, now as we go forth, I pray that the grace and peace and love of the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Holy Spirit go forth with us. Be with us at our gateways, gateways meeting and Hossi United Methodist on Tuesday at noon. Be with us tomorrow as, as many as possible congregate to talk about possibilities of furthering the kingdom. And then Wednesday, our trustees meeting on Wednesday at 9 a.m., which is open to many. We ask now that that, that grace, that transforming gate grace, that we would RSVP that the works of God's Holy Spirit would be incarnate in our lives. And now go in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,